Good morning, all. My name is Matt, and I'm part of the church family here above Bar. Our Bible reading is uh, from Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 to 18, and that is page 14 of the church Bibles. Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 to 18, on page 14 of the church Bibles. And it is titled, Abram and Lot Separate. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving around with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great and they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine. For we are close relatives. Is, it, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived in the cities of the plains and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tent. There he built an altar to the Lord. Thank you, Matt. Good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm part of the church family at Above Bar. Uh, if you haven't found that passage, could you find it for me? It would be a great help. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, it's on page 14. It would be great to have that in front of us, because what's really important in the next few minutes is not what I say, but what the Bible says. So it'd be, that would be great. And the title we've given this uh, passage is Abraham and the Promise of God. Um, before I pray, let me just say, if you're sitting here thinking, well, it's odd, isn't his name Abraham? Um, his name became Abraham, but at this stage in the story, his name is still Abraham. And in chapter 17, God gives him a new name, which is Abraham. I just thought I'd better get that off my chest before we start. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Abraham and the promise of God. If you were here last week, we started this series in the life of Abraham. This is going to be a very exciting series because Abraham's an incredible character and God is doing something very important in Abraham's life. He wants to teach him to be a man of faith. He wants to teach him to be someone who's trusting God. And at the beginning of chapter 12, if you just turn back in your Bible one page to chapter 12, you'll see at the beginning of chapter 12, God gives promises to Abraham. And those promises, I'm not going to read them all now, but look down at verse 7 of chapter 12, you'll see there were two elements to the promise. Chapter 12, verse 7, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Now, if you look closely at what God says there, there are two promises involved in that. There's the promise of a land, and there's a promise of a people, because he talks about offspring. There's going to be a people. So those are the two parts of the promise to Abraham, a land and a people. And Abraham has to wait, we've already heard it this morning, for that promise to be fulfilled. But we... Today, we have a promise from God. God isn't promising any of us a land and a people, but he's promised us something in Jesus. And the promise he's given us is linked to the promise God gave to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. The promise he's given to us is Jesus came into the world, Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and God's promise is... If you turn from your sins and put your trust in Jesus, then you have forgiveness and you have the gift of the Spirit living inside you. That's the promise to anybody who turns from their sins, puts their trust in Jesus. We have forgiveness and we have the Spirit living inside us. And those two promises are linked because the New Testament says that the people that God promised to Abraham, that is people, yes, it's Israel, but it's also everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. Do you get that? God promised the, 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 the land and the people, and if you are a truster in Jesus, you're part of those, that people. The New Testament says... Abraham is the father of all who believe in Jesus. That's Romans chapter 4, verse 11. Abraham is the father of all who believe in Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are in chapter 12, verse 7 of Genesis. You're in the Bible. And if we trust in Jesus, then we have forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But we need to trust, just as Abraham needed to trust. What God is doing in Abraham, he is wanting him to grow in faith, to trust him. And God is wanting to do that in us as well. So let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this chapter 13 in the book of Genesis. So let's see what Abraham does in the book of Genesis, in, the, in, the, in chapter 13. We're not going to look at the whole of the book of Genesis. Let's look and see what, he, what Abraham does in chapter 13. Firstly, in verses 1 to 4, he remembers God's promise. Verse 1, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev, 
with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Lot is Abraham's um, nephew. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. I just need to say something about the beginning of that chapter. It says Abraham went up from Egypt. The second half of chapter 12, we didn't look at this last week. Abraham went down to Egypt without asking God. He decided to go down to Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, people started noticing that Sarai, Abraham's wife, was very attractive. And he did something, I think, quite extraordinarily bad. He said to Sarai, um, this will be a good, good idea. Don't say that you're my wife. Say that you're my sister. And Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt, his officials saw that Sarai was very beautiful, recommended Sarai to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh took Sarai into his house as one of his harem or one of his wives or whatever, I don't know. It's, it's incredible what Abraham's doing here to Sarai, isn't it? It's like he's saying, here's, here's, here's Sarai, Pharaoh, help yourself. Incredible. He's ignoring the promise. He's forgetting that God has called him. He really is doing all of this in the second half of chapter 12. He's forgetting the promise. He's ignoring the promise. But here, he's remembering it. Look at verse 3 of chapter 13. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Wow. There's an altar he's built. He's calling on the name of God. This is Abraham's way of saying to God, I remember the promise. The beginning of verse 1 says Abraham went up from Egypt. He's not, going, not, come, not just coming back from Egypt. He's coming back to God. He's remembering God's promise. That's really important, verse 4. He's remembering God's promise. And sometimes we forget God's promise to us, don't we? The promise in Jesus. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I do believe that Jesus died on, my cro on the cross for my sins. I believe that. But sometimes we forget that, don't we? Sometimes we ignore God's promise and we behave as if God had never given us this amazing promise through Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit is prompting us this morning to remember God's promise to us. Let's look at the next thing Abraham does in chapter 13. Secondly, in verses 5 to 13, he trusts God's promise. Verse 5, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and Lot's. There's quarreling happening because there are just so many people, so many possessions, so many animals, and the herdsmen are arguing with one another. And it's obvious they can't all stay together. Lot's people and animals and Abraham's people and animals. So what does Abraham do? Verse 8, Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. 
Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. I mean, Abraham's older than Lot. He would have the right to say, look, I'm telling you what's happening now. You go there and I'll go there. But Abraham is very relaxed about the whole thing. He says to Lot, you choose. And I'll tell you why he does that. It's because he's trusting God's promise. He knows that whatever Lot decides, God is going to keep his promise. He's going to give him the land and the people. He's trusting God's promise. Verse 10, Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. And it's all happening because there's not space for them all to be together. And because Abraham is trusting God's promise. Verse 12, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. I think Lot didn't make a good choice, but actually chapter 13 is not really about Lot. We're going to learn more about Lot later in the Abraham story. The key thing here is that Abraham's trusting God's promise. Abraham is convinced that God is going to keep his promise. He's going to give him the land and he's going to give him the people. So Abraham remembers God's promise. Abraham trusts God's promise. And now thirdly, in verses 14 to 18, Abraham embraces God's promise. I love this. What does God do after Abraham and Lot have separated them and all their people, their herdsmen and their animals and their possessions? What does God do? He repeats the promise. He gives the promise again about the land and about the people. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west, all the land that you see I will give to you. That's about the land. I'm going to give you the land. He's repeating the promise. But he also talks about the nation. I'm giving it to your offspring forever. Verse 16, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth. Can you see God is repeating the promise? That's incredibly loving of God. He repeats the promise to Abraham. And what does Abraham do? He embraces the promise. Look at verse 18. Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. That's Abraham's way of worshipping God. And that's Abraham's way of saying to God, I'm embracing this promise. I really believe you're going to keep this promise to me. I really believe you're going to give me the land and the people. I'm embracing the promise. That's why he builds an altar. He's worshipping God and embracing the promise. This is an incredibly important moment. 
And God does something when he gives the promises in, in verses 14, 15, 16, and 17, when he repeats the promise, he does something to help Abraham to embrace it. I don't know if you noticed it. Look back at verse 14, 15, 16, and 17, and you'll see that God doesn't just say the promise to Abraham. He shows the promise to Abraham. He gives him a visual, something visual, to help Abraham to embrace the promise. Look at verse 14. It's about the land. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you. Look around you, Abraham. I'm going to give you all this land. So Abraham's standing there. And as far as the eye can see, he's thinking, God's giving me this land. God will give me this land. This is God's promise. Can you see that's, there's something visual there to help him to embrace the promise? Be great to see one or two nodding heads. Oh, wonderful. There are four or five. That's great. And he does that with the people as well. Oh, no, something else about the, na- uh, the, the, the land. Verse 17, go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. Abraham, this is not just about the land you can see from here. Go on a trek. Go walking. Go walking, go walking, go walking. I'm giving you the whole land. Can you see the visual thing? Is helping Abraham to embrace the promise. Nod. And that's true with the people as well. Look at verse 16. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Uh, This is a visual as well. Abraham, just look down there. It's a very hot country, so there's lots of dust everywhere. And I imagine God saying to Abraham, just count the specks of dust. And I'm sure it didn't happen like this, but I'm imagining it. And Abraham start one, two, three, four. Well, it's, I can't do it. There's just so much dust. And God is saying, that's what the people I'm giving you are going to be like. So many people, there are going to be as many people as there are specks of dust. Can you see it's visual? And that is helping Abraham to embrace the promise. It's a help. He already believed it before, but now he's embracing it. And the visual thing has helped him to do that. Do you see that? I think it's wonderful. Now, God has given us a promise. We saw that right at the beginning. God has given us a promise in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He died to take the punishment for our sins. And he rose again to prove that he really had paid the price for our sins. And the promise is, if we turn from our sins and put our trust in Jesus, then we have forgiveness. Then we have the gift of the Spirit living in our hearts. That's God's promise. And God has also given us something visual to help us to embrace the promise. 
The bread is here to remind us of Jesus' body. When we eat this bread, we're saying, I believe this. I embrace this promise. I believe that Jesus gave his body, gave his life for me, for my sins. When we drink from the cup, we're saying, I believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross and his blood was shed, I believe he did it for me. I embrace the promise. When we celebrate communion in a few minutes together, we've got the opportunity, those of us who are trusters in Jesus, to embrace the promise. And this is visual. It helps us to embrace the promise and to keep trusting in Jesus. These are extraordinary things that are happening in Genesis chapter 13. God is doing something in Abraham. He wants him to trust him. He wants Abraham to be trusting in God's promise. And God is doing the same in us. I don't know how you are, how you're doing. I mean, it may be that you have not really thought much about Jesus and you've maybe started coming to a bub bar recently and you're asking questions. You may have even started going to Alpha or you, you want to start going to Alpha. Or you've got questions and you're thinking, is this true, this stuff about Jesus? Well, let me tell you, I'm sure it is true and I'm also sure there are answers to the questions that, that people have. Please ask your questions. Because God's promise is true. If we, if we trust in Jesus, then we receive forgiveness and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. But maybe you're already a Christian. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've just come to Southampton because of work or because you've come to study at one of our universities here. That is great. But maybe you're a, a, you are a believer in Jesus, but in the last few weeks or months, you've kind of neglected that a bit. Almost like you've been forgetting that you trust in Jesus. Well, here's an opportunity today. It's great that you're here. Here's an opportunity today to decide I'm going to embrace the promise again. We have the opportunity to get to know Jesus better and better, to embrace the promise, to embrace Jesus. It's an amazing thing that we can say that we can be forgiven not because of what we do for God but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. We can be forgiven not because of what we do for God but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. That's a promise from God. Let's Embrace it. Will you embrace for the first time or embrace for the hundredth time God's promise in Jesus? Let's pray. Just a very brief silence. Maybe you've been thinking, yes, I do believe this promise. I do believe that when Jesus died, he died so I could be forgiven and so I could have the Holy Spirit living in my heart. Well, let's, 
just in the silence, lift your heart to Jesus and thank him and embrace him. And maybe if you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you might even want to just pray, Jesus, help me to understand, help me to get answers to my questions. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Father, we thank you for what you were doing in Abraham's life. Thank you that he embraced the promise you'd given him. Many of us here in this room, we want to embrace the promise that you've given us in Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.